Welcome to episode 27 of the Retronym Podcast, and today I'm going to be talking about Final Fantasy XIII. You probably weren't expecting me to ever talk about this game. Does anybody actually ever talk about this game anymore? It just seems like it's a game that's completely lost to time due to like immediate controversies that it had at the beginning, like right when it was releasing, but also because it had a few like lackluster sequels that not too many people talk about anymore. But today I'm going to be almost providing an apology, possibly a defense of a game that is considered to be highly controversial within this franchise and, you know, everything within, and that is going to be Final Fantasy XIII. Now, when this game first released in 2009, and it did release, that was the weird thing, it released both on the PlayStation 3 and the Xbox 360. I actually had the opportunity to play it on a 360, because I did not have a PS3 at this time, because I did not want to get the two jobs that Sony was recommending that you get to afford the PlayStation 3. I think that's a a real thing that they actually said, which is kind of weird, but I digress. My brother had an Xbox 360, and I figured, okay, well, you know, it's a Final Fantasy game. I really enjoyed Final Fantasy X and, you know, playing a whole bunch of other ones at that time, like, you know, 7 and 8 and a little bit of 12 and, you know, some of the older ones because my dad was able to find them on the Super Nintendo, so I guess, you know, 4 and 6. But I don't know. I, I went into it very apprehensively because at this time I was you know, on summer break in from college and it had actually released when I was at college and my friend had it. And well, my friend, my roommate at that time had it. So I would, you know, spend many, many hours, you know, getting homework done while he was playing this game. And I had been online for the controversy. I had seen like the maps of the different areas for the game. And there was a lot of, you know, pushback against Square at the time because all the maps basically look like a straight line. It looked like a very highly linear game in a franchise that was not necessarily linear, especially, you know, compared to Final Fantasy XII, which is fairly, like, open world in so many different ways, or at least, you know, large, explorable zones that didn't necessarily have a distinct, like, start and end point at different parts of the game. So seeing how this game, you know, it looks absolutely beautiful and it sounds amazing, and it's basically a straight line, which, you know, I guess it's similar to Final Fantasy X in so many ways, but this just had a lot of pushback from fans at the time. And I I actually joined the bandwagon on this one. And my roommate, he was quite the apologist for Final Fantasy XIII because he's just talking about how, yeah, the gameplay may not be amazing, although the paradigm system is, is pretty decent now that I have a chance to really dig into it. But it was very confusing to me, and I, and I did not understand how that was supposed to work. But he did say that the storyline, while definitely would be rubbing people the wrong way, and especially with some of the performances and everything, was actually really good. And so what I did was I figured, okay, he's a pretty smart guy. I'm going to go ahead and test it out. And so I rented it for, you know, I, I did like a week-long rental from Blockbuster for Final Fantasy XIII for the Xbox 360. And my brother and I, we didn't have too many responsibilities. I didn't have a summer job at this point, so we just stayed up and played it. And he's like four years younger than me, so he was just in like high school or just starting high school. And we were just sitting there, and we played it over the course, I think, of like two days and put about eight hours into it. And I just turned to him, and I'm like, Zach, are you having fun with this? He's like, 
nah, not at all. This game's not very good. And that's because, like, the first half of this game, like, the first 30, 40 hours still feels like a tutorial. And I think that is one of the major drawbacks of the game is that it takes way too long to get into the actual game game. And then by the time you get into it, it almost feels too late. So, like, if you like watching cutscenes, and I'm pretty sure, like, half of those eight hours are primarily cutscenes, and then the other half is struggling with a battle system that's not necessarily very intuitive and doesn't really teach you very properly. It throws a lot of tutorials at you, but it is really hard to, you know, feel like I'm reading an entire novel or, like, a like a systems manual, basically, that's, like, 300 pages long and digging through the menus to find those, so... That's just not the way I play games. I don't like that. So I dropped the game at eight hours in. And I was just like, I'm, I'm done. I, I don't see anything about this game that my friend was happy about. Like, what was drawing him in? And so I dropped it. And I didn't pick it up for years until just like a year and a half, two years ago, where I was able to get an Xbox Series S and the entire year of Game Pass, but I think I actually just went ahead and purchased this because it was on sale once, and I was just like, you know, I've played different Final Fantasy games more so since this time in my life, so like, you know, 12, 13 years later, let me go ahead and give it a go again. And so I started up Final Fantasy 13 again right from the beginning, and I actually tried my best to play through the game on the merits of the game itself instead of just what I projected onto it about what I wanted Final Fantasy to be. And one of the things that definitely helped was at the local used bookstore in my town, I had noticed that they had a giant instruction manual or a giant strategy guide, I should say, not an instruction manual, but a strategy guide for Final Fantasy 13 sitting on their shelf for years, years, and nobody ever touched it because obviously it's Final Fantasy 13. And so I went there, I picked it up for a few bucks, and I started the game, and while it was a struggle at first, I will say, I do feel like this game might be one of my favorite Final Fantasies. And I know that's kind of heretical to say, because it's very controversial. So, you know, the thing about Final Fantasy XIII, it's set in this giant world, you're in this big floating city... There are these things called the Falci, and they're created by the Maker, but then you have to, like, do some... I don't know. They, you're, you're branded as, like, a fugitive by the Falci, and then, but you're chosen to do something with a focus. I don't know. The, the other main drawback of this game is that there are so many proper nouns that I honestly couldn't tell you. Like, I, I probably couldn't name anything that's actually, like... A real thing in this game because there's just too many proper nouns and I just do not have the headspace for this. They've created an entire universe. And so for those people that actually really enjoy that sort of thing, obviously they're going to have a whole lot of fun with this. And the fact that all of the you know tutorials and instructions and everything can be accessed through the menu and you can read about all the lore that you want. Like this is really like, you know, a Dungeons and Dragons style dream game, basically. Like they've really set up this world really well and I'm sure that you know it's kind of shoddy if you really try to dig into the lore but I feel like they created enough of an ear of a deep lore that actually seems consistent with itself that you know it necessarily won't fall apart under scrutiny as easily as like something else so I think they did a great job building the world I think my main difficulty is this that I'm not smart enough to really be able to engage with these fictional worlds 
as much as I would like to because they're a lot more complex than my brain likes to work. And, you know, I'm a Pokemon guy. I like Pokemon. I like something simple and easy. Pokemon, I, I can't say Digimon because that one that one's a, <laughs> that one also gets pretty deep sometimes. But I like basic Nintendo-type games. This is not a basic Nintendo-type game. This is, like, definitely, like, a Final Fantasy for modern audiences. But I will say, I think the thing that really helped me connect with this game other than the fact that the music is fantastic, and I don't think Nobuo Uematsu did the music in this game, but that one, especially that one battle theme, Blinded by Fate, that plays over and over again, I don't think I ever got tired of hearing that song because it is just so, it is just the right amount of like intensity to really pump you up, but it also is just very beautiful to listen to, and I really like that. But the other thing, that, well, the main thing that really like got me into this game is the development of characters over time so you have your your main like six characters and they all have their very distinct backstories and different like personalities and everything and what i like is that you're really just dropped into the middle of something huge happening with all of them and they all have this like history well some of them have this history with other people and nothing is really explained for a long time this is a very like definition of a slow burn game because you start with the main character lightning she is just you know rigid and silent and just fierce to everybody around her nobody really likes her and she doesn't really like anybody except for her younger sister her younger sister was getting married to the guy named snow and he he was her fiance but her younger sister got became a lc and became like crystal and stuff i don't know it's it's all very confusing but the friction between lightning and snow throughout that game and her struggling to accept him as basically her brother-in-law and he struggling to accept her as a sister-in-law and everything that it just was really interesting like a relationship dynamic that you don't necessarily see like you don't see these in-laws like brother and sister-in-laws really clashing like in the same way and I just felt like, oh, this is really actually interesting. This is taking like a family relationship that we don't really see. And, you know, he's kind of like a dumb jock and she's just kind of mean to him and silent and really snaps at everybody else. So just the amount of like ugh, friction between them, it, it's really interesting. And then you have the character that everybody seems to hate at this point, Hope. He's the boy. His mom dies early in the game and he just wants to take revenge for that. But shockingly the amount that he matures over the course of this game is really like whoa okay they really took this kid this like young kid whose mom died and through you know lightning and their interactions with him and everything and him wanting to take revenge basically like whatever it takes to take revenge and just seeing how for example lightning becomes like a surrogate mother figure to him and just seeing their relationship blossom over time also very awesome you also have Saz. He is a dad, and he's like, oh my goodness, I cannot believe that I'm caught in the middle of this, and I, I don't want to do this. And he's kind of played up as a comic relief, but his story, oh my goodness, like, by the time you, like, really get to learn who he is, you just, you you are not, that that's the thing, you are not prepared for some character re revelations that happen during the course of this game. And I would really put a lot of these, like, developments over time, especially given that it's such a slow burn game and that you're spending so many meticulous hours with these characters like you really get to learn about them and when you learn something new about them something tragic even it it really breaks your heart and the same goes for vanille and fang 
like they're not necessarily like they're they're kind of the outcasts of the group in so many different ways especially with their different personalities and whatnot but they explain like what their purpose is by the end of the game and it, again you have the tragedy mixed with this like sense of duty that they feel and their desire to really help their planet and everything and it's like I feel like that's what really like this entire the entire plot line of this game is complete nonsense. I'm sure if I really wanted to examine it, I'm sure I could, you know, getting from point A to point Z, like all the steps in between. Like, yeah, I'm sure there are leaps of logic if I really wanted to analyze it. But I feel like the, the, the strength of everything that happens in this game is due to the growth of the characters. And I feel like that does cover like a multitude of sins, if you will, for this game. And so. In that way, I feel like that is where this game really shines. And this is why I would actually say I would recommend people play it for themselves and really dig into it. Now, unfortunately, it's really hard to do it unless you have an Xbox. And, you know, I think it's even on Game Pass. But I would definitely recommend if you do have access to play it, definitely do so. I really wish we could get like another PlayStation release of it. But being a PS3 game, probably not going to be happening anytime soon unless they really get that PS3 emulation underway. And you definitely don't want to stream it because it would just be way too bulky to try to do that. But if you have an Xbox, definitely try to get it. I think it's even on Steam as well. So I would I would highly recommend trying to play it. And I beat it within like 40 hours, I think. It was my like final game time, 40 to 45 hours. I didn't do a lot of the side quests except for what I needed to, you know, up my experience gain and everything. But I feel like I probably could have spent a good... 20, 30 more hours on it, but 40 hours is not that big of an ask when you're, you know, comparing it to different open world games. And I would just say, take it on its own merits and just decide, okay, I'm not going to necessarily compare this to the heights of the series and trying to make sure it fits into this box that is Final Fantasy. I'm going to take it on its own terms. And if honestly, if this wasn't a Final Fantasy game, like with that label, I feel like it would have been taken much more positively by people. But because it lives up to it, well, it tries to at least live up to that Final Fantasy name. I feel like that was a bit of a drawback that was unexpected for them. But I would recommend it. I think it's a. I don't want to say it's like a great game. It's not an amazing game. I'd see. I'd say it's a good game. I'd say it's actually worthwhile to play it. I would actually say that in terms of gaming history, it is one of those touchstones that really influence things for years to come. If you go back to this game, you'll be shocked to feel like, oh, wow, this feels familiar because I played, you know, XYZ game that's similar to this that actually came out, you know, way later. And I think a lot of that owes it to Final Fantasy 13. So I would recommend it. Play it. Tell me how it is. Tell me that I'm wrong. I'm okay with being wrong. Thank you for listening to the RetroNim podcast. You can find me at Twitter with the username at RetroNim, that's spelled R-E-T-R-O-N-I-M, and through email at theretronym at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to rate, review, subscribe, and all of that other fun stuff. I don't even know what it is. You can also check out my other podcast, Henshin Dad, if you are curious about the wide world of tokusatsu. Thanks again for taking time to listen to me today, and until next time, keep enjoying the games that you love.